Good morning. It's just great to be here, and thank you, Bob, for these gorgeous rolls. Yeah, and I know. They're not just your ordinary donut. hy oh. went out of their way. They're they're decorated like you can't believe. Oh, Get into Hy-Vee today and <laughs> check them so out. So we want to thank Kayla and also Tom for stopping up here today and sharing these with us. Oh, and, uh, thanks to them so as well. So nice of them. You bet, absolutely. And I will enjoy it. I don't dare bite it into it well, yet because you I'm got, trying to talk. You were in Boston this last week, were you not? I was. Uh, I was. Did they have any Boston baked beans? No. Um, any Sam Adams <laughs> lager? <laughs> the Sam Adams is really good in Boston. I think the closer you get to the distillery, maybe that makes a yeah, difference. Yeah, maybe, yeah. But Boston is a great place, and we, we had a lot of fun visiting our grandkids. Our uh, second oldest granddaughter just started at Boston College. So we what? visited that. I know. The oldest one is graduating from college this May. Oh. She Wow. is at uh, her aunt's alma mater and her father's, the St. Uh, St. Uh, Benedict's in Collegeville, Minnesota. Our daughter, Bridget, went to St. Ben's, and our son, Tim, who is her father, uh, went to St. John's, and the two of them are really connected. So it's probably our favorite of any of the schools I went to, our kids went to. And Rick is so happy <laughs> I'm talking so he can bite into oh, his donut. Oh, oh, right, oh. We're going to start. Forget about Boston. Forget about everything. How about Prairie Doc Radio? November is Diabetes yes. Month. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think he's thin enough he can handle all those calories. I have no excuse whatsoever, oh, but I'm still going to have them. you know how many calories are in one of these things? Probably 1,000. Oh, oh, no, about 200 maybe. No. Well, more than 200. <laughs> sure. what, what do you think? How many? 500. Five. Oh, that's okay. But you're enjoying every bite, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> all right, I'm going to introduce the guy who's eating the oh my phenomenal donut. His name is Dr. Holm, and his specialty is internal medicine. He's worked with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and has served as a clinical professor mm. at the University of South Dakota's Sanford School of Medicine. Mm. As he's swallowing his wonderful donut, I'm going to say good morning to you, Dr. Holm. <laughs> good morning, Joan Hogan. You got the words out. Very good. Okay. Yes. You know, we often talk about our... Your TV program, which will be on tomorrow night. However, South Dakota Public TV will be broadcasting all the football games. So you will have no show tomorrow night. You can just relax. But knowing you, you're probably taping one, right? We are with Jerry Freeman. You know, oh, that should be, be a good one. The neurologist. He's going to, well, let me Finish. swallow this. Yeah, don't eat any more now oh. until the break. Then you can oh. take another bite. Ma'am. Really good donuts. We're going to talk about dementia. And... Yeah. Um, and we're going to discuss the kinds of dementia and how you make the diagnosis of dementia and uh, the, the problems associated with uh, dementia. You know, it's interesting that, um, of course, if you're <clears throat> 85 years of age, there's a 50-50 chance that you have some dementia. significant inability to function related to your brain and memory. Really, by 85? 50-50. Hmm. That means okay. that 50% of 85-year-olds are just fine. Are fine. Oh, that's good. That's a positive. I'll look to the 50% side. Right. right. And so um, the, the loss of your uh, ability to learn a new thing is what is called antegrade memory loss, and it's the cardinal sign of... of um, dementia setting dementia. in? Dementia. Mm-hmm. Okay. One could uh, define dementia in a lot of different ways, and, of course, the people who who do this uh, uh, in defining them by doing testing uh, have have come come to many different ways of doing it you know drawing a clock uh, counting backwards by sevens 
uh, uh, naming a fork and a spoon and uh, different objects. But um, if you really come down to it, uh, the majority of uh, what is dementia is being able to function in society. And, and most of that, it turns around being able to learn a new thing. And that way you, know, you can function in society. That's right. R- that's right. So if learning a new thing, for example, is if I try to um, have you memorize or remember three different objects. I mean, uh, to, to, to learn, okay, I am going to plan to go out to the kitchen and to, uh, to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. That's my plan. I'm sitting here watching TV, letting them entertain me. Okay, I'm going to get up. You get up, you walk out there, and you don't remember why you're, why in, you, the why you're in the kitchen. Ah. And, of course, we all have that <clears throat> inability to, to, I mean, you, you um, they call it, uh, as you get older, you start thinking more about the hereafter. Uh, uh, for example, you get up to go to the kitchen, and you can't remember what you're hereafter. <laughs> you start thinking more about uh, the so, hereafter. I so uh, not only do do we think about the hereafter more often, but we do forget that anti-grade memory. We, we can't remember the new thing that we were working on. Now, I don't want you to scare a lot of people because most of us do this. I have a storage room right behind the kitchen. I'll walk back there and think, son of a gun, what did I come back mm-hmm. here for? And I just stand there mad at myself. Mm-hmm. Please tell me dementia is not setting in. No. And Thank it, you. And it is not completely. But I have to say that we all forget about those things. We get up. Okay. And so we it is okay as you get older to have some of those memory lapses. It does not we mean. We all have those okay. memory lapses. That's normal. All right. But when you can't remember a new thing and you try really hard, you know, the way I test for it is I have people... Um, I'll give them three objects to remember, you know, Arizona, Chevrolet, apple pie. Can you say those three things? And then they'll repeat the three things, and then I'll I'll give them a little bit of a delay and talk about something else, and then I'll ask them the three things again. And then, you know, then we start talking, counting backwards, or we talk about their children, or whatever it is, and then you ask them again. And if they can't not remember those three things, there is trouble in in the, uh, what's going on. The anagrade memory is a very important part of it. The other part of it, though, is memorized, uh, is uh, measured by whether they function well. I always put that as the Tupperware in the oven syndrome. You know, are they are they do they not put it all together well enough to know you don't put the Tupperware in the oven because it'll melt and you have a mess, or you know. Can you function in your house? Can you keep it clean? Can you do the activities of daily living without creating um, a problem? Creating yeah. a problem, right? And and so I mean, functioning is three quarters uh, three quarters of it. So, what percentage of people who have some significant enough dementia to say that they're uh, in trouble live at home? Well, I can't answer that. I, it's we, 70%. I, 70% are still living, living at, at home. home. Now, why are they living at home? They're living at home because they have a spouse that has a memory and is able to help care for them. Uh, they have a spouse or a child. They have a child that uh, checks in on them three times a day, makes sure that they have home 
they have meals ready for them. Uh, so 70% of the people live at home. And the real issue is, can we encourage people to stay at home? Because that's where everybody wants to be. And, um, yeah, that's where everybody wants to be. And the, 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 the next question is, uh, how much does it cost our society to take them out of the home and put them in a nursing home and let someone else care for them? And so <clears throat> I think it would behoove us all to try to find ways that it would allow those of us who are losing our memory to stay at home as long as we absolutely can. I am with you on that. I think people are always happier at home, and that is not right. knocking the nursing homes because they do a phenomenal job. They do a wonderful job. They're really job. important aspect of our community, but yet the longer anyone can stay at home, more than likely the happier they'll be. When the time comes that they need to go to the nursing home, then we, we need then to be able to go Then we're fortunate to have good ones, and we sure have good ones in Brookings. We're going to take a break. If you have any questions about dementia, which Dr. Holm is actually going to be taping the show tomorrow night, you won't see it for quite a while. So don't plan on seeing the show tomorrow night. <laughs> if you tune it in, you'll be getting football, high school football, which is always fun to watch. But right now we're going to take a break. We'll be back right after these words. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. We're very happy to have you listening. Dr. Holm gave me trouble because I did not bite into my donut. I took a small bite. I just finished it. And as soon as we get on the air, he starts eating again. Rick, I think you better take one of these home with you, too. No. No. This enough. One is enough, huh? Yeah. Okay. Again, thank you to Hy-Vee for providing these delicious donuts. No. I've been into mine. I was wondering if it might be filled with, uh, it's a round powdered sugar donut, I thought it might be filled with either jelly or custard. Mm. Big surprise. It's a blueberry donut. Oh, is it good. Mm. Oh, get mm. to Hy-Vee. All right, on to medical <laughs> questions. <laughs> good questions. Let's see. We did have uh, a caller with this, and um, she had read that, com- well, this is related to those opioid painkillers, which right. are really, everyone listening, you know, if you're alive today, you've heard about the horrible narcotic overdose of opioids that's going on. She just read that combining Motrin and Tylenol is a painkiller, maybe as effective as opioids, narcotic painkillers. But what do you think of that? And where are we going to run into trouble if people start combining Motrin and Tylenol? I think stomach aches or whatever. Tell me what your thoughts are on that. As long as you're finished eating. Yeah. No, (laughs) I think that... um you probably, you know, one of the things that the narcotic, the opioid salespeople have done or in the pharmaceutical industry has done is they added Tylenol to the narcotics <clears throat> because Tylenol is a very effective pain medicine. And if you want to just use pot- Tylenol for the most part, it doesn't have a lot of side effects. So Tylenol is the good first First, uh, Tylenol is the first choice. Choice. Uh, That's the word. As far as I'm uh, I'm concerned, because of the, the, uh, now if you don't have stomach problems or heartburn or reflux or um, uh, sensitivity in your GI tract, then um, uh, either naproxen, naproxen, Aleve, or uh, ibuprofen, Motrin, Advil. Uh, uh, could be added, one or, or the other, but not both, <clears throat> to the Tylenol, which is acetaminophen, the generic name for c- And those two, m- 
this woman had would read probably, would be as strong as yep. the opioids. And I think that's uh, she makes a, a really good point. The problem, yes, is reg- all the time regular use of either one of those groups, Tylenol or, or the non-steroidals, yeah. which includes Advil or Motrin, Motrin and, yes, uh, or um, Aleve. Uh, all uh, bo- both both of that those groups can cause a dependence can cause uh, a rebound headache can and the and the naproxen or the aleve and the um, ibuprofen or the motrin can cause a burned stomach so so what i would suggest is that you use those temper you know think of pain medicine as always a temporary type of a thing okay absolutely and I'm 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 talking from a point of view of a guy who had a Whipple procedure in May. You were in a lot of pain. I had a lot of postoperative pain, and it was a deep hole that I had to crawl out of. And I I went through a lot of that, and I went through a lot of narcotics. I'm glad I was able to get off of them. So you you basically weaned yourself off, even though when you were having fewer of them, you knew you wanted more, right? They were terrible. You, okay. you, you, you really you are understand. A person can understand how a per, uh, how hard it is to get off of narcotics. I'm, I uh, I do understand that. I'm off of them. I have I think a, a tiny little stash somewhere that I haven't used in months and months and months, and I'm about to throw them away. Good for you. Okay. Well, we had a caller that just called in, um, an 83 year old woman, and. Here she is probably facing the same thing with pain. She fell a few months ago. She has a compression fracture on her lower back, and she can't stand up straight. It hurts when she stands up straight. Right. What do you think the treatment options are? You certainly don't want to put her on opioids, do no. you? I'll, I'll tell you that um, the non-opioid, non-pill treatment for pain should be the very first thing, which is to consider, you know, rubbing in um, all those kinds of, of smelly, good pain relief, asper cream type of a thing uh, that should involve uh, phys- physical therapy or massage. It should involve, you could consider acupuncture as an option. <clears throat> you can talk about um, uh, the, the most important thing is probably to just plain, no question about it, become as active as you can even though it hurts to stand up straight the the more you do the better you're going to recover and if you think about it a lot of what physical therapy is all about has to do with getting into the habit of getting out of the igloo getting off of that couch getting moving and getting going and um because if you if you don't move uh then whenever you try to move pretty soon it's going to be very painful. It will hurt even more. So in her case, even though she's 83, if she cannot stand up straight, she has to start standing up straight. It's that simple, no matter how painful it is. And the treatment options you suggested to go to physical therapy, which is always a phenomenal one to Mm -hmm. start with, you Mm -hmm. know, the physical therapist will help you with different exercises so you can start to feel like you can stand up straight, but don't stop doing them and don't stop moving. Because right, as soon as you do, it'll just stiffen it's up. It's going to stiffen up, and you're going to be in more trouble. And we don't I, want that. I would do the Tylenol if you're going to add anything. Maybe you a little painkiller. You can try a Tylenol and Advil. 
But that aspirin or anything along that line, a pharmacy will tell you, or your physical therapist will tell you what to use. Really kind of, it's a topical thing that relieves the pain too, which is very helpful. There's, uh, you get someone to rub that stuff in there, and it helps. Ice will uh, oftentimes help if there's spasm. Um, and uh, heat sometimes helps some people more than ice. <clears throat> I do think that your situation with a, frac- a collapsed vertebrae is very similar to people who have pelvic fracture. And here's what I know about that. It hurts like heck, but it goes away over time. You just you, you have to keep going or your muscle strength will get worse and you'll lose ground. So you just got to bear with it. Hang in there. Uh, narcotics will help, but they're not great for musculoskeletal pain. They okay. constipate the crap in you. <laughs> I was going to say crap <laughs> Which is out not of a good thing. It <laughs> constipates you terribly. They, they, you become uh, habituated to it. The last thing you want to do is to be dependent, dependent on a bunch of pills. So go okay. in another way. Well, we appreciate the calls coming in. We have another one, but we're going to take our next break, and we'll get back to your call right after these words. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio, where we got off talking about pain and uh, how, how painful things can be, and the important thing is to try to avoid those opioids, and a woman just called in, and you mentioned when you were trying to help her, or I, hopefully you did help her, her compression fracture would be similar to a... Um, now I forget. Pelvic uh, fracture. Pelvic, a pelvic fracture. Mm-hmm. One of my good friends in Chicago about two months ago took just a short fall, one step, and broke her pelvis. The problem is she is the primary caregiver of her husband who had a... some dementia or something? No, no, he just had a... Well, yeah, a little dementia, but mainly he had a horrible car accident 25 years ago. They didn't think he'd live. He lived through it, but she's been taking care of him ever since, and he gets better all the time, but he really can't do a thing. So here she is was in terrible pain with her pelvis. She was first in the hospital, then put in a rehab hospital right they tried to move her out she said where do you think i'm gonna go i can't go home so finally there was a swing bed which helped but she said i'd never been in this much pain in my life it must Mm. be horrible and just fell one step that's all it took right but the (laughs) pelvic pain what you do is all you can do is lay there still in your bed so the first exercises are called log rolling exercises they roll you back and forth like a log, um, that's the first step to get moving. Get some well, movement because you, you can't does? move. What do you think that does? It hurts like heck. Oh, to, it has to. To get rolling back and forth and back and forth, but then you can get moving to the point where you can hang, dangle. And the next step is to dangle, which is hang your legs over the edge of the bed and sit there for a while. <clears throat> think how much that hurts if your pelvis is being um Oh, it's just everything position. she said about it was horrible, terribly painful. But gradually, painful. over time, the whole thing gets better, and yeah. it's, and then eventually you're better. I had a n- little, tiny, skinny, beautiful, 90-plus-year-old n- nursing home patient, one of my favorite ladies. I mean, she's just just so much fun, and she has, uh, she slipped, and f- she was moving more. She was exercising more. She just, she isn't 100 pounds. But something happened. She got her foot caught on her her night coat or something, and she fell in and uh, fractured her pelvis. Oh. And that just took her way out. We thought we were going to lose her. Um, and you know, but the loving care of the nursing staff in these nursing homes is just wonderful. And the 
they supported her and they encouraged her and they got her moving and finally she got better where she was walking a little bit and then a little bit more and then the last time I came by she was back to her normal self. Wow, isn't that amazing? And so I mean it's just a matter of giving it time not being emotionally destroyed by it. Really, emotionally, dry. when you go, I'm in pain, that's a bummer. I can tell you, I sensed that when I was... When you were in pain. In pain. I, it, it, a lot of it is the depression of, oh my gosh, I can't do anything. What a, a bum I am. You know what I mean? What a, I'm never going to come out of this. And the answer is you will. You just have to be patient, know that it's going to get better, and go that route. Now, in people who have terminal cancer and it's not going to get better, more medicine. Just turn on the medicine. That's what I say. I mean, you know, it's not going to get better. Comfort care. Keep is them what comfortable. We want. All right. While we were talking, we had another call come in, and a uh, woman called and wants to know what makes you get dizzy when you bend over and then stand up. Why are you dizzy when you bend over and then stand up? Mm-hmm. There's two things. You know, the, the the differential on dizziness is benign positional vertigo or vertigo of any kind and um, uh, orthostatic hypotension. So vertigo or benign vertigo is the, the dizzy and the twirling that happens when you roll over in bed. The classic story is a viral infection that affects your cerebellum and your in all and or your inner ear and then and you see this in young people but also in old probably a little bit more commonly in old people but in all ages it'll attack this viral infection and then whenever uh, you change position particularly uh, bending over and then standing up uh, that or b- just bending over or primarily rolling over in bed is the way I help def- define it. If it happens when you roll over in bed, it's positional vertigo, probably benign positional vertigo. There's a rare tumor of the of the uh, pontine uh, fissure in the brain that makes you um, uh, acoustic neuroma is what it's called. And that right, you are it. using words that you need to be in a <laughs> medical a, forget, school. Get that. Come on, get, the get back The majority to of it is benign positional vertigo. Okay. But we need to make sure it's not orthostatic hypotension. Now, orthostatic meaning it gets worse when you stand up. <clears throat> hypotension means the blood pressure gets low. So the people who have orthostatic hypotension, many kinds of diagnoses for this, but the, ki- the typical picture is not twirling when you roll over in bed. It is lightheadedness when you stand up too quickly. Now, we all get that occasionally when we're dehydrated and we've been walking all day long in the hunting field or when we've been overdoing it or you haven't <clears throat> been hydrated because you're outside in the sun and you're working hard and your volume, your circulating volume is low, Right. And when you stand up quickly, it's amazing what the normal physiology can do. It can, it can, it goes. You're not getting enough blood flow to your brain. That's the most important thing this body has to do. I will increase the heart rate. I will tighten all the veins. I will tighten the arteries, and I will make that low circulating volume into an adequate volume to circulate now and get blood flow to, to that brain. brain okay now it's amazing that if if you think about what our body can do it can do this when here we are just in the middle of the night we're just 
sleeping in the depth of uh, off on a journey across the ocean on a sailboat or whatever it is that you're doing. Suddenly you wake up, hop, I've got uh, I got to pee. So you stand up, you pop up out of your bed and you walk to the, the bathroom. And of course, halfway across the room, if your body doesn't squeeze all those vessels and increase the heart rate and do all those fancy physiologic changes, you're going to be on the floor. You're going to pass out. Wow. And, you know, you think about it, the most common cause of orthostatic hypotension is what? What do you think, Joan? Sleeping? I have no, no. idea. What is it? Medication. Oh, well, For example, medica- the blood... If you're on drugs. Blood pressure pills uh, will okay. do that. Parkinson's disease will do that. People who have um, uh, prostate uh, disease and are on Flomax or a lot of those drugs. Well, certain Hydrin- medications that you might be on... Will make you uh, will will take away your ability to, to squeeze get those blood vessels blood. and right. compensate for the normal things that we do when we jump up out of our be- uh, laying flat or. So or the sp- best thing is probably for anyone on medications or even if you're not on medications, when you do jump up, just sit on the side of the bed for a minute. Would that help? Uh, just relax the or mo- stand up for right, a second. Right, right. Old is another cause. And what it is is all of this is just a kind of a normal thing. So stand up slowly, stand there next to the bed, and if you're going to pass out, pass out onto the bed, you know, that type of a thing. So don't just pop out of bed and head across the bath- to okay. the bathroom. You could do that when you're 18, but you can't do you it can't anymore, You can't do right? it when you're 85. <laughs> okay. So take your time and, and, okay. and gradually do it. So that's orthostatic. And the most important thing is if you are having it and you're on medications that you talk to your doctor. Got it. We're going to take our final break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. You know, I found this program interesting because it's very helpful to people listening to know what to do with pain and how to handle pain. And even if you don't have pain, how to stand up when you get up quickly. Don't, you know, you get to a certain age and you just can't do things as quickly as you used to be. You dangle a little bit, right? You get dangle on the side of the bed. You put your feet down, gradually stand up. And then you can, and then you can go. Okay. We All didn't right. get a chance to talk about dementia, but you know you're right. The show isn't tomorrow night, even though we're recording it. It's in your head because you're going to be working on it tomorrow it's all night. In your You'll head. be doing it live tomorrow night. <laughs> Everything's in your head, huh? Yeah. Okay, Joan. What were the three dementia-related questions? Oh, oh, I knew you were going to do that, and earlier. I thought I was going to try to remember. Um, I have no idea. Apples? A- no. Arizona. Oh, gosh. Chevrolet. Chevrolet. And something else apple with an A. Pie. I remember the apple. <laughs> All right. I'm in big trouble. And high V rolls. Yes. And high V rolls. My high sister Kathleen would appreciate this. She always says if anyone in our family gets dementia, someone probably will. But if Joan does, no one will know because she never remembers anything. So you'll never know if I have it. That's my memory. We're going to close now. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program, and we'll listen again for Prairie Doc, brought to you by the Avira Medical Group Brookings. As always, you can hear and see more from Dr. Holm online at prairiedoc.org. Thanks, Rick. That's all until next week. Thank you, Joan, and thank you, Bob, and stay healthy out there, people.